0: When's your birthday? I never had a birthday. His name is David. I feel it. That's creepy. Whoa. Just so real. In a distant future, in an age of intelligent machines, he is the first robotic child programmed to love. And coexist as a member of a family. His is a tale of humanity. And a journey to find his place among humans and machines.
1: I'm a boy. You are a real boy. At least as real as I've ever made one.
2: We don't really do, like, cold opens anymore as far as, like, the start of the show. So in, in practice, probably we'll just, like, pick the best part to come in at when we record, so... yeah. No pressure to like do anything. Yeah.
0: Well, welcome to the Filmhole Podcast. I'm your host. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Raúl. Our our intro used to be so formal. Like we said what our titles were and everything. Uh-huh, we um, had a script. Yeah, we did. What were your, what were your titles? I was filmmaker and Raúl was scientist. Yeah. That was oh. a hook.
3: <laughs> that is a hook. I'm hooked. Are you actually? Are you yeah. a scientist? Yeah. Use that lowly
2: postdoc.
0: There was like a method to it. It's I, I think I had in my head like, oh yeah, it's like the perspective of like an art guy and like a science guy. Like that's meaningful. Right. Left (laughs) left
3: brain, right brain kind of thing. Right. Turns out that's not, that's not meaningful at all. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
2: Sometimes Sometimes it'd be a good angle to go at things. Actually, this movie is a good example of one, you know, presumably I'm going to like get into like AI stuff and just geek out on that. Yeah, and as Robert if like, like, oh, I've never thought of it that way before.
0: As if like neither of us are capable of like the others like thought process on this.
3: <laughs> There's like no overlap.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never thought about science fiction in my life. <laughs> Not once. Okay, well, I it is probably worth just saying like we have a, a fourth person with us this week. His name's Mason. Hello. I don't know what more details I want to give to respect your privacy. So I'll just say Mason. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm a scientist as well. No, I'm just kidding. Well, first off, is is Justin like? Are you a third person? Are you like part of the? Why? But
1: yeah, I, I talk in the third person, but I'm not a third person.
3: Uh, why? So he, I does he? Is he already kind of established in like the in like the lore of Filmhole? Like everyone kind of assumes he's gonna show up, basically. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. a friend of the podcast.
2: We offered him full co-hosting status,
3: but he declined wow it's a
1: horrible said idea he had he better podcasts
0: to do yeah he said he had better podcasts and just better ways to spend his time so yeah,
1: yeah. i've been emailing mark Marin for years now and one day he will respond and he'll, he suck opened, it when he does. he'll open the gates he'll open the gates for you he'll open the gates <laughs> <laughs> he'll unlock those gates <laughs> well,
2: I like i'm he... gonna go see him next week oh, oh topic, really but... no shit yeah
0: wow. like what Comedy in what show. context like a show or yeah cool well, I think he's
2: recording it because like the front row, you have to call the box office to book those seats. Oh, oh.
0: so hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not I'm not going to be in the front row, but be cool. Yeah. Hmm. maybe I'll be in a crowd really quick. I like the idea that just like Justin's better spent time is not actually being on podcasts, but like manically emailing <laughs> other <laughs> yeah, podcasts. Yeah, it's hustle and
1: grind, be- buddy. I mean, <laughs> you got to wake up and you got to smell the
0: bread <laughs> and then you got to run for it. Okay, well, what are we talking about?
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Today? Okay, I just, I, just, I just noticed Justin's background. Is Chris Rock. <laughs> did you guys yeah, think that can... was Chris Rock? I'm assuming everyone did. It's kind of hard to...
0: Well, the, I, like, knew the voice, like, when I watched... I watched it today. Like, that's how oh, okay. fresh it is. And I, like, yeah. knew... And I had seen it, like, years ago, but, like, maybe I just forgot about that part. But I knew the voice, but I didn't put it together that it was Chris Rock until Justin said something. It is... I mean, it's it's wild to me that it wasn't
1: immediately apparent because i feel like someone goes into this movie cold and they're like yeah you know you're experiencing the roller coaster of emotions that you experience with this movie but just smack in the middle it's fucking chris rock as a robot and the robot looks like chris rock and he's getting shot into out of a cannon like there's just that is like a confluence of facts that is yeah
3: there's like this movie is so weird because there's like these little like hints of like exactly what time period the movie was made in. And one of them is that Chris rock has a little like one line cameo. (laughs) The other is in the, then it's basically like this act is I didn't realize until like I watched it last night. I didn't realize that it was not kid rock. The band wasn't kid rock. It was was going
0: to ask if, yeah,
3: it's not kid rock. I thought it was kid rock. Yeah. That's, I think that's probably, Yeah. It was Ministry, but yeah, which is like a, actually a better band, but they gave off a Kid Rock 5. Yeah, that
0: whole part of the movie had like a very 90s steampunk aesthetic. It's like the like from watching it years ago, it's the sequence that I remember the most yeah. is yeah. this like um, what do they call it? Celebration of life Call it Flesh like Fair. M- flesh Fair. Yeah. Col- I mean, a celebration of life. I believe. Right. Yeah. Right. And it makes sense that
1: it's what you would remember because it is the most like uh, bombastic, you know, segment of the movie.
0: Right. Mm. Well, first of all, let's just say for the sake of the recording, we're talking about AI, artificial intelligence. 2000, One. When it came out. 2001. Steven Spielberg. Well, the movie opens up with <clears throat> I forget the actor's name, introducing the world to mecca as a technology if i'm
3: yeah it's william hurt i'm
0: right william hurt and he's doing it in the room that we later see at the end of the movie and he asks that lady robot to undress at one point which i don't understand i don't know why that happened i think i understand i think
2: that was a sex robot and that's basically all you need to know and then it is as weird as it seemed but
3: yeah it's like a sex model
0: okay I don't know, well, or like, what?
3: I guess the alternative would be like he's just showing that he's like just asserting like he has full control. Yeah. Um, okay. Because there are. It just like seems.
0: Oh, it seemed sorry. weird to do in like a room full of you know like it was, looked like an academic sort of presentation. And he's like, "Look, I can make this robot get naked, guys. Check this out." Seems kind of unprofessional, but what do <laughs> yeah, I know? Yeah.
2: It seemed like a little bit like. uh that guy just makes me think of Steve jobs. So I just like think of it as at some like group of bullish technocrats who like are kind of iffy on their morals, um, just playing God Mm -hmm. with these creatures. Like that's our first introduction to like the people interacting with the robots. It seems like they don't treat them very well.
1: Well, and I think, I think crucially we skipped over the opening like prologue, which is where they explain that climate change has flooded parts of the earth. And the rich and powerful have found ways to. I I forget exactly how it goes, but it alludes to the fact that the rich and powerful have survived, and they still they they live in these like secluded areas over other people. And so Mm -hmm. then we cut to this boardroom of you know that's being led by this Steve Jobs type figure in front of who appear to be like a mixture of scientists. Yeah, probably technocrats probably investors you know it has a real boardroom feel to it so i think it's an interesting that context and then you get this scene i think that's an interesting uh, you know yeah. combination
0: i think i think it's interesting how like his office or workshop or whatever is you know despite new york city being like totally underwater that it's still just like in one of the buildings <laughs> and and <laughs> It's like, I mean, if the rich and powerful had like figured out this whole way to like move past that, you'd think that his office would get relocated somewhere. But it's it's like in a bad part of the world. Hard to get to. Right. Well, that's what's funny is that like, you, you get the sense that they're still
1: trying to cling to these these places of power. Mm-hmm, something right. like Manhattan, <clears throat> even though Man- it's
3: Man- just Man- total-
1: Man- Manhattan Man- and it's just totally like reclaimed by nature. And yet they're still, you know uh struggling past that
0: yeah the structural integrity of that building can't be good anymore with <laughs> most of it being underwater that's all i could think of no not at all also the the levels of water seemed kind of inconsistent where like you just see the tip of the statue of liberty but like <laughs> would assume that it's very deep like all throughout yeah. manhattan and but it when the what's it called the helicopter the aquacopter it's a,
3: it's an amphibicopter
0: <laughs> and fibocopter has no trouble getting to the bottom so i don't know
3: it's a you know it's a fairy tale so there's some things you kind of you just got to kind of glide over a little bit but yeah the statue of liberty is very small so yeah i'm not i'm not really i don't know i've never thought about that but it's you could definitely poke holes in that
0: scene i'm striving for absolute accuracy and in this movie and if i don't what? get it i will i thought you
2: were the artist i'm i'm, I'm here fuck? more just for like the metaphors and kind of the subtext
3: <laughs> whoa the you're <laughs> they throw me yeah, yeah. Up here.
0: i'm awesome. more of the tech i'm the technical more maybe science-minded person of the two of us so this is this is what i think about
2: a kind of interesting science thing is like the the climate change angle this has to be like one of the earliest instances of yeah. climate change being used in a movie like this. I wonder, that must have felt like very kind of new and fresh at the time.
0: Do they use the words climate change in the prologue? Warming? Or is it like global, global warming. warming? I think
3: they yeah. used global warming, which okay. was, that was K- Kubrick's whole thing, was mm-hmm. like starting out like this post-global warming world. That's a good point, Raul. I can't think of like a very climate change centric, movie before that but then after that was like when like day after tomorrow came out
0: and then Mm -hmm. 2012
3: al gore's thing thing.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah al gore saw this and he's like we should probably make something addressing this thing
2: (laughs) a power of a a videotaped powerpoint presentation (laughs) (laughs) has anybody seen an inconvenient
1: truth
0: presentation no yeah can't say
1: yeah and it's it's such a pointed use of climate change too like it's it is a very front and center plot point it's yeah. not just like a you know something that goes on in the background it it's sort of the macguffin for the whole movie with the water flooding manhattan
0: yeah right it's
1: aged well as a device
2: yeah yeah for spielberg. yeah very well seems,
0: seems accurate so you teased this mason like talking about kubrick because this is like part kubrick part spielberg right right so do you want to contextualize that for the listener
3: yeah so okay so <laughs> This this is really interesting because I've always heard this like classic take of this movie is like, Oh, Kubrick started it, but then like once Spielberg got it you know, Kubrick died and it's like this wasted potential, like Spielberg really just took it and like just kinda of ruined it and like there's always this idea that like, you know, Kubrick's vision of it was like the was the the real thing. But like I was I was reading a lot about this movie and Kubrick from the beginning not from the very beginning, but for a while while he was developing this, he was really thinking that Spielberg would be the one to direct it. And so he like he approached him and Spielberg would like go to his like estate in like London they were like when he was developing the story and they were talking through things and Kubrick got a lot of different writers and burned all the writers out because he's a you know kind of a horrible person to work with but for a lot of the a lot of the time this this story was being developed he had Spielberg in mind so yeah i i think that a lot of the story was fully fleshed out with Kubrick and then Spielberg kind of took it and i think that I think it's what's so interesting about this movie is that it has like that warmth and like kind of very emotionally strike or gripping side of Spielberg. But then it's like the, the story and the the whole Kubrickian thing of it, too.
0: Totally. Yeah, I've, i I very much like feel the the Spielberg in it as much as I feel like the weird, like dark parts of Kubrick. I also like it was interesting skipping way ahead to the end and we can go back to our plot structure like when the uh, when the world freezes over and the the aliens or evolved beings whatever they are show up they're,
3: they are they are not aliens that's another thing that i think people like were pissed off about because they they show up in their little cube and people were like oh spielberg brought in aliens but they're like with like advanced robots basically is that what they are like super advanced
0: okay. yeah they're and evolved ai yeah okay. really right wow. so there you go i wasn't sure exactly what what they were supposed to be but, like, they're a higher form that of consciousness, whatever. Like, that part's clear. And they put David in, like, a little terrarium of his of his home, which is, like, exactly what happens at the end of 2001, where the aliens are like, oh, what's this thing? Like, let's put it in a box that looks like stuff that it likes and, <laughs> and just, like, look at it. So I just... Uh, not that that's like a direct like, ooh, there, there's Kubrick in the movie. I just thought that that was an interesting parallel between those two things. Yeah, and yeah, that's I think a
2: great parallel. There's Kubrick.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. And I think uh, it's funny because, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Mason, but I feel like a lot of people see that ending as like a a sappy Spielbergian ending. It's but depressing. it's absolutely it's not. Horrible. It, is, it is. It's so haunting. bleak. Yeah, it's so, it's so ha- sad. Yeah. And I mean, that's Kubrick. Through and through, right? Like yeah. he just has this really—I mean, he's not without—he's not without humanity, but I think he just has this really sterile and suspicious view of humanity that I think yeah. you can see echoed in in that ending. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's,
0: it's very bleak. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> What's- it's it's super bleak, but it does have like that narration of like and then he, he went to sleep and went to the place where dreams are born. Like it's yeah, it's it's kind of like wrapped in like a nice little like here's the end of the story way. But it is like on paper, a horrible, depressing way to end the movie. Right. So there's like both.
2: Yeah. The whole movie is just downhill from the start. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, it's yeah. just like emotionally you just keep feeling worse and worse.
3: Yeah. There's some there's some like you know, you catch little glimpses of like hope and the whole I, I really do like I love the relationship between him and Gigolo Joe. I just think Gigolo Joe is such a freaking amazing character. I don't know why he decides to like adopt, you know, David as as his little sidekick or whatever, but I think that they like their little adventures is- Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's a standout character for sure. The way he and moves, he- it's so smooth, like he is just like he's so well choreographed. Like, I think Jude Law was, like,
1: perfect for that. Yeah, yeah his physicality is great. He, yeah. He's very, yeah, he's like Fred Astaire. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like that Gigolo Joe doesn't treat him like a child. He he treats him as sort of an, a child in the sense that he knows that he can lead him places and keep him safe. But also, right. like, Gigolo Joe just shows him these giant, like, naked lady buildings and talks <laughs> about sex to him and stuff. And it, you never feel like he's, like, trying to protect him in that way. He's just right. a yeah. sex robot with a child robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny dynamic. <laughs> they yeah. hit the
2: uncanny well, valley like throughout the movie, like where they're almost human. It's like you're almost looking at a man and right, a child. Right. but They just they don't talk to each other right. And they just like don't step around puddles. They just like step right through puddles. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's
1: true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you guys ever see I've I don't know this show outside of just like internet memes, but like the greasy haired guy from Lazy Town. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I know who you're talking about. I, yeah,
0: he looks like he looks like that guy. Yeah, he there. looks like Jigolo Joe, just really art artificial looking. Just Google Lazy Town, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, like the way that Jiggle Joe doesn't also notice that there's like blood on that woman who is murdered. Oh, yeah, which I I was watching that part and it's weird that that just like never comes up again. Like I guess that's the reason that people are chasing. Jigglo Joe, or he's like a wanted mecca. Sure. Yeah. But you see, you see the murder on screen, and you're like, "Oh, this is important," and it just it's never mentioned or brought up again. And there's another character involved in that who I guess is framing him. Also, not important. It just is up. It's just yeah. an inciting incident for for him to be on the run.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing because it's one of those plot points where plot contrivances where you feel like you don't get enough of it or you want a little more context but also you don't necessarily need more context and right. mm-hmm. it would probably it probably you know feed to the movie's detriment like pacing and the you know the rhythm of the movie would be off if you learn more about this murder for sure
3: i'm assuming like i saw like pictures of gigolo joe and gigolo jane and like these kind of concept art things from like production so i'm assuming that there's probably some stuff that was cut in that whole that whole section because it's pretty Makes quick sense. when they they get out of that i don't know what the city is is it like the sex city or whatever that
1: it's city. suck fuck yeah. city i think what yeah
3: it's called. i'm assuming did you say succubus
1: city, fuck city. Suck oh Suckin fuck, suck
3: and fuck city. city okay
1: yeah i think it's called <laughs> rouge rouge city
0: <laughs> no 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 no. rouge city rouge is where city is... they go where they go yeah. afterwards
1: oh you're talking right. about the first place you sent.
0: yeah
3: Gotcha. Yeah, which I don't know if it's even established. It's, like, just a seedy, you know, district that he, he goes to. But I don't know. I, I never really... I don't know. I, I I think that whatever happens after that scene is more interesting anyways. So I've never been like, oh, I want more of that thing. I think it's just... It's established that it's, like, this seedy, like, dark and gritty mm-hmm. place. Violence happens all the time, you know? So yeah. he is an obvious, like, scapegoat for that. And so sets him on his way to this, like, little fairy tale with David. So... Yeah,
2: it's discarded. The only time it comes up later in the movie is a point where the police is 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 around them. They're surrounded. They're about to get caught. You think the kid's going to get picked up. But instead, it's just gigolo Joe that gets gets picked up. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's like been evading. Sure. The police for murder. This whole
0: real quick aside. uh, I took a few notes as I was watching this today, just so I wouldn't forget some things. And I realized that I forgot the word gigolo. I just (laughs) forgot like how to say that word or like what it meant juggalo right the, the insane clown posse fan fandom so juggalo, all of my juggalo. notes just say like juggalo joe <laughs> that'd be great okay it's so, just like an alternate
2: like skin version of the movie where you just put the juggalo skin on joe <laughs> oh god yeah. but everything
0: else everything, everything else is exactly same. the same yeah it's like the it's like the chrome cut of like fury road where it's just like black and white it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just juggalo joe and clown makeup <laughs> So we meet we meet some grieving parents of a child who's in a coma who are selected by Cybertronics, which is the firm that creates Haley Joel Osment character, David. And they are selected because they are without a kid and they're like, this is a good family to test this thing out on, I guess. And <laughs> the guy, the father of the family, just makes the decision to get this kid robot without telling his wife and the way they show that is like in their house. He's like, I love you. Don't hate me. Like I did, I did something like, don't hate me for it, which is like what you say. If you like buy like tickets to a concert that you're like, not sure about, or I don't know, some other kind of risky thing. It's not, you go and like adopt a child sort of line where you're like, don't hate me. I did something.
1: He calls it it a toy. Like he goes so back and forth with David Mm because at first he's like, don't hate me, but I think this is really good for us or whatever, right, whatever his rationale is. So you you get the sense that he he knows there's weight behind the decision. But then like later in a couple scenes later, he says, don't worry, he's a toy. Don't worry Mm. about it. He's a toy. So like, I think he can't decide just like everyone else can't decide, like what the fuck David actually Mm -hmm. in the world and,
2: and for them. I do like how not emotionally involved the father is throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. and and consider this like the whole design of the kid is that he's supposed to imprint onto one person mm-hmm. so that robot is by design only meant to love his mom and not the right. father which <laughs> i thought that was so funny
3: which i wonder if that's intentional because that, like it's it's modeled after uh what is it, dr hobby it's it's his, his kid right so yeah I yeah i've never thought about that but that could be the reason it doesn't really yeah. make sense but
0: we never meet dr what? What's his name? Doctor Hobby. Hobby, or Professor Hobby. We ne- we never meet his like wife or anything. We don't know anything about him really. I think so, so. Okay. That he has
1: a David, or that he had a David.
0: <clears throat> right. <clears throat> but I will say that
3: the whole like first act where David is like make when he's like establishing himself in their house is so unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like I creepy. What I don't know what it is about Haley Joel Osment, but he is just an absolute. Like, his ability to, like, capture, like, I don't even know what it is, like, existential despair, but also, you know, just the uncanniness of it all.
0: Well, they actually, they actually made David for that first act. They actually, real, him. they they put a real David in the first act, and that's where all that oh, unsettling okay. yeah, energy comes wow, from. makes a lot more sense. It's a little, no, little that note, little note. That's Spielberg. <laughs> no, so, like,
1: that's, that's a note that I wrote down, which is, like, there are large stretches of this movie that are, that it, it's a horror movie. And the first act is definitely a horror movie. Um, Oh, my God.
0: Like this, the scene with like the pool, like when he's like, yeah, truly terrifying. Yeah. Like, and they, they, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Just like the, obviously, like the setup of like, oh, this kid's like drowning is like really scary, but like him, like still just like holding on to him, like asking to keep him safe and saying it like underwater Mm -hmm. (laughs) is just like the creepiest shit I've ever seen. And I don't. Maybe it just didn't click the first time I saw this movie. But like, that's truly like a haunting, like combination of sight and sound. Yeah.
2: And for for me, like the image of him floating in the bottom of the pool afterwards was also very unsettling. Because you see that and you your mind wants to think that's a dead body because you don't see that otherwise.
0: Yeah. I kept on thinking about that, like technically, like, all right, Haley, like you're going to get underwater. like Ten seconds you're going to deliver a few lines get ready and like also be sure to like really tap into that lifeless like android horrifying energy while you're down there and also uh, you're 11 <laughs> you're yeah. an 11-year-old child actor
3: <laughs> and you don't make sure not to blink underwater either god it's so crazy
1: yeah it's fucking wild he's a it's crazy how preternaturally gifted he was at acting i just just happened to watch an episode of the Larry Sanders show where he's in it and he's like he's like Five, he's tiny and one he has a huge yeah. head so that's something <laughs> but like he's a good he's a great actor at like five years old he's he's interacting with like an adult and yeah you in in kind of in an improvisatory manner so yeah there's something about him uh especially as a kid that's beyond anything they, i mean perfect casting but i love <laughs> his introduction the way that shot where he, oh yeah Very i mean he he's in he looks like the alien right? he looks right. like an mm-hmm. alien at the end right and so like to have him introduced as this otherworldly like yeah. vision, basically, and yeah. come into view like that is really clever. Really clever. And then he says, "I like I your like, floor." I like your floor. Gives a little yeah. tap. <laughs>
0: it's
1: so yeah.
0: good. The also on the horror movie topic, that scene at the table after the that's another plot point is the original son wakes up from his coma, he and then sucks. they have to live in have to live in the house together. And that kid sucks. Yeah, he sucks ass. Uh, but there's that scene where they're at the dinner table and they're like he's like stuffing his face and David is like imitating him. And really like if you just change the music out of that scene, it would just kinda look like two shitheads. Right. Like at the table. But the score makes it just feel like the most like existential scary thing. Yeah. I don't really know what to make of it. It I didn't know like while I was watching it, like it's <clears throat> the I guess it ends with his like face like drooping and he yeah. like overloads or whatever Spinach. yeah but it it made it seem like something much more was like scene
3: yeah it was a very heavy scene in that respect
0: yeah mm-hmm.
3: i remember it as a kid it horrified me i don't know about you justin Totally. Like this this movie for us like i don't know why i don't know when we even saw it or it was just like a rental or whatever but this movie specifically because it has like this whole act where it has like it, it's all like the children are the the main source of like conflict like that, like you said, that, that party scene was so terrifying to me as a kid and the spinach scene and like the weird, like visceral, like they're poking it with a, with a knife and just very like kind of body horror stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very-
0: mm-hmm. My favorite uh, line from that sequence right before they go, before he jumps in the pool is one of the kids is like, does he have DOS or like, <sighs> does he run on DOS or something? And they're like, damage avoidance system. And <laughs>
2: explain it like very yeah. eloquently. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: I, like, well, I Randy, think uh, you're a
2: great communicator.
1: <laughs> I think the the way they set up the various misunderstandings that Martin leads him into, I think is really well constructed. You have the the scissors, oh, you yeah. have the pool, and I feel like there's a there's like another one I guess the spinach, the spinach mm-hmm. and seemingly Martin understands everything that he's doing. Yeah, but I think it's easy. just a really like natural. It doesn't. It didn't feel contrived, I guess. Um, or, or even that malicious. I don't think like the spinach thing
2: is just like him being like a kid, like a shitty, playful kid. The pool thing it wasn't even directly his fault. It was just like right. his his friend decided to stab the
3: his brother and yeah, yeah. He, he had.
0: He's this, just like, a self
3: defense mechanism.
0: Yeah, he's just a shitty kid that like knows how to push
3: buttons. Uh-huh. And, and he's, he's but, a, like he's I, a toy, so it doesn't matter, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Like I guess what I'm getting from it is that to a certain extent I think that like that robot really didn't fit in with that family and and kind of like couldn't fit in because of the fact that he's not human. And like the son is the first person to kind of instigate that and and move on that because like he feels like he's being he was replaced and he probably has like very complicated feelings about it.
0: Ones that he probably couldn't articulate. He's just like fucking with this other kid that's in his life. Yeah. We have two brothers here. Maybe you guys can speak to uh, this dynamic between android and, and human.
3: Yeah, which one of us do you think is the android?
0: Well, let's not get into this.
1: I don't
3: want to talk about that. <laughs>
1: I don't want to talk about that. But yeah, I mean, it's funny because that's such a common thing. You, you see siblings all the time, especially if it's like an only child and then the new child, they have that jealousy, you know, and there's one that's always sort of like seeing the other as a petition. Right. And to to have that heightened because one of them is a robot, the other is real and they see superiority in that way. They see like you know species superiority or whatever you would call that is just mm-hmm. such an interesting dynamic because it's on the one level, you understand it. On the other level, you're like, I would never understand what it feels like to have a robot for all the real right. right yeah
2: it's it's the first time that you get the hint of the kind of human robot prejudice that yeah, then is right. very important for the rest of the movie because before that it was such a sheltered environment in that home it was just the parents and they are very like relatively emotionally emotionally mature people but then as soon as that pool scene comes in and you have like these kids and just the way they speak about the technology it's very derisive yeah uh, that, that was a great it, it makes me think of that scene later on when when she's dropping off the kid in the forest where she mm-hmm. says i'm sorry i didn't tell you about the
0: yeah. Up until that point, you don't really get a sense of like what the rest of the world is like. I mean, yeah, you could you yeah. could like make that jump just based on the, the prologue talking about like yeah. the rich and, and climate change. But like you kind of see this family and you see like the medical facility or whatever that that the sun is in. And you just assume that that's the world. It's just like suburban 90s with like cool technology But then like very quickly after the forest scene, you're like, oh, no, like the rest of like the world is like much crazier than this. It's like much darker and seedier. But you have like absolutely no sense of that until until that. Right.
2: Yeah, that's a great that's a great flip that I think love that it goes there.
1: And before we move ahead, I got to say one of the magic tricks of this movie is that Spielberg manages to have the little cute sidekick be great oh. and, and endearing and yeah, not at all Teddy. like annoying or cloying. I love Teddy Teddy's Teddy Teddy. Yeah. And he's the chicken to... cricket,
3: which is so funny.
1: Yeah, that's um, a great that's a great comparison. Yeah, he never thought about
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also have in my notes, I just wrote Pinocchio punk. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie is. But I, th- when Teddy shows up, since we're talking about Teddy, he has like for me, at least he had kind of like a darker presence because he looks a little unsettling and uncanny. And I think his like first words are like, I am it.
1: and yeah. he says it <laughs> right. in like a
0: yeah. a really foreboding way. It almost like sets it up like, what is this thing going to do like yeah. later on <laughs> in the movie? But that never nothing ever happens yeah. with Teddy. He's strictly like a like a good supporting character throughout. Right. But like when he first shows up, you're like, I don't know about... Oh, yeah. it If know Teddy had Teddy. been
2: given those scissors, it would have been a way different movie. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, what did you guys think of the... Another big standout moment from the first part of the movie is when they do the imprinting and how the the android kid was very robotic, like, pre-that, mm-hmm. very Uncanny Valley, not believable as a kid at all. But then after that is, like, when his, like, emotional protocols were turned on and like, he actually convincing... Uh, a, a simulation of mm-hmm. a emotional, loving child. I, I thought was so cool because I thought before that that he was just always gonna be the very robotic, sure. awkward kid. And then to know that, oh, like, oh no, actually, the people at the cyber tech company have figured out something like really substantial. Like, it passes mm-hmm. the emotional Turing test, right? Mm-hmm. Like the
3: mom says, like, oh, it, he seems so real, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that scene in particular is like so it shows off his his acting skills because like. It's so the look that he gives when she like whatever the final word is or he, she says her name right is like it's not even like a happiness or some sort of like euphoria. It's like almost like again like some sort of like existential like very heavy look he gives because his like whole life purpose has like come on to him and it's almost like the way I interpret it is like he realizes that this is his sole reason to exist and that this could potentially be lost because, you know, he asks her like pretty shortly after, like, are you going to die? And then yeah. just the weight of everything starts to come down on him. So it's really heavy. It's like, yeah, when when your whole existence is just one person, like that must feel like as a robot. Yeah. Do you yeah. think
2: that's when he kind of turned on as a conscious or like, what do you exactly think happened there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like he's he's basically he's programmed to simulate Consciousness, right? So, like, when you're turned on, it's his, it's his consciousness. And I think Mason, that's a really good way to describe it. Is like his soul is sort of, it's turning on, or it's coming into existence, or it's, but, but it's, it's coming in like in media res, right? Like it, it's almost as if he suddenly is aware of the fact that he's madly in love with this person, right? On a like a deep level, and then it means so much to him. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I was just distracted because a little window just popped up saying trevor mowry windows has finished installing yeah Yeah, what is that did you get hacked what What do you got going on
0: no that was that was my attempt at a joke that like him him imprinting (laughs) is like the screen where it's like welcome welcome to Windows." they got me yeah it is it is wild that that's like the switch to where like he goes from super like android acting style to like i'm like human adjacent now like yeah it's a real kind of like subtle change in his acting style but one that he like pulls off flawlessly mm-hmm. and i don't know if anyone ever told him like hey this is the moment that your soul is activated so reflect that in your acting maybe <laughs> maybe not but either way it's like incredibly yeah, yeah, it's, impressive it's so
2: effective too because as an audience member you're really right there with the mom where yeah. he had been this creepy kid before, and at that moment,
1: like you could imagine yourself loving this kid, mm-hmm. right? In a way, like Spielberg had been. It's almost like as if he'd been rehearsing his whole career for this movie because he's so he he was so good at like cultivating this working with kid actors, right, with tr- child right. actors, and cultivating this sense of realism and really personal connections between the kid actors and the adults and and really portraying like realistic families and i feel like this movie is like his ultimate challenge which is like taking a kid and directing him in both roles as a robot and like a robot pretending to be a real boy so you're Mm -hmm. there's multiple layers of you know mastery at work you're not not just acting but directing too he is a master
3: i think yeah, I think this movie is so interesting because like at like in terms of Spielberg as a person because I I don't know, I think of like him and Kubrick especially because they're both very obsessed. They've always been very obsessive people with movies and it does seem like pretty like a a good metaphor for their their worldview and their whole life purpose as movie directors who that's all they focus on forever. Like again, Kubrick went through like tons of writers for this and was never satisfied he was always like so cynical and pessimistic about getting it done and he died before he got it done obviously but i just think like this like in terms of like this movie as a fairy tale and spielberg's vision as m- movies as these things that you can escape into you know and and the thing that you believe in so much and when you when you finally get to and you make this thing then you're on to the next thing any any movie that he's made he said like it's it's the thing that he thinks he's he has to live for like it's his sole life purpose and then it's done and then you realize it was a you couldn't really put your you know your life into that and you move on to the next thing. So i just think it's so interesting to think of it in terms of like how a director, you know, especially a person like him who is this like a master storyteller to take on a story like this is pretty yeah. yeah.
0: The story is that Stanley Kubrick is still in the amphibicopter at the bottom of the ocean
3: <laughs> 2000 years.
0: Yeah, he's still down there. He's You're looking in at a, a st- cage. He's looking at a <laughs> statue of, He's looking at a statue of a monolith down there. <laughs> okay, so back to the plot. Let's just pick up on Monica, mommy, abandons David in the forest. And that's like a pretty wrenching scene. Cause <laughs> yeah. he's like begging to not be left behind. And like one of the lines is like, I'll be so real for you. Like, that's don't real. leave me, like I'll be so real for you. <laughs>
3: It's really uh, more like the when he says, like, it's OK, mommy, it doesn't hurt when he's like he has his oh. like insides open up.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 man.
2: But it is like heart wrenching material, borderline just taboo. Not since mm. Sophie's Choice have I seen something <laughs> like this heart wrenching between yeah. a mother and a child. Right.
0: Yeah. And then he I'm a little fuzzy on like, does he just kind of wander the woods and then like find his way into the. That area where they're picking up like scrap mechas, like with the the moon balloon. <laughs> I think so.
1: I think he and Teddy just wander for however I don't know, few hours, several hours. Okay, but he... it's
2: it's right off the bat at that point that the kid like the the Pinocchio thing is established at that point, right? That that's the thing he has to do to be able to come back home. Oh, the um,
3: you mean the blue fairy or no?
2: The blue fairy. Well, it's the I same think thing. That's from Pinocchio, right? Yeah, it Blue Fairy is carries yeah. the Pinocchio. Which was yep. just a misunderstanding, or, or what exactly like was it that just prompted in that direction that he doesn't know the difference between the fantasy
0: and real life? Well, he was like read the story right. right as a kid, and he in like he obviously relates to the Pinocchio story and thinks that I think that he just like solves for X and like that's how I get back to mom. I have to find mm-hmm. the blue, become a real.
1: Because he knows then, that's what that's what the
0: catalyst for this whole thing is, is
1: he's a robot and he can't limit. Fan- so then Gigolo
3: yeah. Joe is the one that's like, oh, we'll go see Dr. No. And we'll, he knows there's nothing he doesn't.
0: I love that. I love that line. Yeah. yeah we'll go awesome. see Dr. No. There's nothing he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Is Robin Williams, right? Dr. No.
3: Yeah. The, voice, kind of doing like the, the genie, Ron, the genie yeah. thing. He's just like all over the place. I love it. He's totally. A, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: totally. A yeah. Genie. I have in my notes. It's like what do I have here? Einstein, played by Robin Williams, as the Mario sixty four menu screen. Oh shit!
3: <laughs> totally.
0: You know, he's just like a it's big, like, like stretching, three D rotating head. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, a little right? Rayman thrown in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like he's got the big hands too. Yeah. I liked I liked the concept of Doctor No a lot because it's basically just like Google search, right? It's yeah. just a search engine. But like presented in the most like weird, wacky way where it's like he speaks in riddles and you have like a certain amount of like search queries that you're allowed to use. And it's just like so like antithetical to how like Google actually works. But it's just I like thinking about like that's just like how they predicted like Google search would be in the future. Uh It's like Google, but you have
2: to pay to go to the next page every time you want
0: to go to the next page. Hey, and it's just like it's like all of the answers are like not very straightforward. <laughs> They're all like kind of buried in riddles. Yeah,
3: what's well, what he, he what does he call it like fast food knowledge or something like that? He um, said serving oh, up fast food, you know, wisdom like over five hundred lo- whatever.
1: Oh,
0: fast food for thought. I think fast it's food helpful. for thought. Yeah. that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, great. It's cool because it's later on you learn that like the cybertronics like helped. Like they did, they did something to like let Doctor No, like they gave him the right information to pass on to David or something. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you, when they walk into the Doctor No like facility or whatever for the first time, it almost looks like a fortune teller setup right. where there's nothing in there. It the, it's it looks like a like a casino game.
1: Yeah. And
0: you're like, surely this is not like the like the keeper of all knowledge, like. Jigolo uh, yeah. joe like set it up to be so i I don't, I don't really know what to make of that but i just thought it was interesting that like here is this this ultimate like database and it's just like a little like arcade game sure
1: yeah and it's and he says there's like forty thousand locations and when they step out of the room you see there are other rooms too so it's it's not like it's just this one thing that you go to it's just a mm-hmm. it may as well be you know your phone just on a big screen right yeah
0: it's the Wizard of Oz as brought to you by McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a yes. good. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the flesh bear, so they get picked up by Brandon Gleason in a UFO. <laughs> it's great. I love the him. Moon Balloon. He is great. Balloons. He's he's in his like weird, you know, post-apocalyptic garb where he's like this <laughs> <Dust> outlaw <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. Why, he he, in a why is he
0: dressed like Van Helsing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you, I think you get the sense that he thinks it's cool and that he's like this robe, <laughs> like authentic. robot killer yeah because yeah. you look at the other the other dude at the flesh bear is dressed like like a sitcom dad from right. 2001 right <laughs> yeah. like he has like yeah. the right. standard gray t-shirt yeah uh yeah. he's uh, like, in in like this
3: and he's also kind of like a circus barker or whatever he has like this kind of you know like entertainer vibe to him too so yeah. i think it's just yeah yeah, yeah. Which is great.
0: i was very intrigued by like the dad who is like at the console who is like controlling some of the stuff he had like a daughter who was there who who noticed david and he just he seems like the most normal guy in the whole movie <laughs> yeah. that yeah that guy and i'm like i want to know more about this dude like what's he think about all of this This right. why nonsense? why do they do that does he come up later at all like why did they
2: go out of their way to make that character seem of the suburbia as opposed to of the slums
1: hmm. i don't know if, i don't know if we're led to believe that this is necessarily like this sort of mad max slums i think it's just like normal i think these are normal people because even when you when they show the crowd yeah it's just like your average like football stadium Mm. goer right like they're just normal people but i think we're supposed to believe that this is like the this is what people really think of robots a lot of the you know a lot of the public is just they're abominations they're they're taking our jobs they're not real you know they imitate life Okay,
2: yeah, that tracks better. I was kind of like taking that flesh fair and extrapolating the rest of lower class society from that. Really. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it was it wasn't quite well. They wrap it, it in this them. very kind of like Mad Max like monster truck rally way, but yeah, like it, as evidenced by like the the guy who's at the console, he seems very normal, and like there's those little kids and like the person at the gate who's like asking people if but be- b- belongs to them, <laughs> like all that seems like very normal. Like the way that people are like talking and interacting with each other is very just kind of football game esque. but like, yeah, like you look at what's actually going on and it looks like the Thunderdome. So it, there is <laughs> yeah. like this weird, like mashup of worlds and aesthetics. So I get the, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I, get I think it's a really there. smart, I think it's kind of a really, I, and I hadn't thought about that until, until just now, but I think it's a really smart, because, like, if you think about it, I mean, your your average UFC event, whatever you call them, probably looks equally as, you know, ferocious and barbaric sure. to someone yeah. who's, you know, on the outside. But it's just mm-hmm. like dudes who own, you know, like pool companies, <laughs> you know, middle school principals in the crowd, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, it's nothing crazy. So, well, uh, that's you got what the loud sounds... music and.
3: That's what's so, like, crazy about it is, like, the whole time we're we're watching this scene from the perspective of David and Gigolo Joe, and at least in my perspective, like, from my perspective, like, I I forget that they're robots almost. They're, like, these beings with motives, and I don't know about motions, but they're, 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 like, some sort of, like, essence, you know? And so, like, from the outside perspective, this is, like, no different than, like, a demolition derby, you know, to these people, mm-hmm. but we see yeah. it from, you know, the, especially of a child's eyes, like, it's just, like this is so grotesque what they're doing, you know? Yep. Yeah.
2: This is the part of the movie where I would not recommend children to watch it. Yeah. They're like, man, this part gets acid on. Yeah,
3: for sure. Chris
2: rock. (laughs) They're trying to get away with as much violence as possible. And just, they get away with it because they're not real people. Right. But the whole theme of the movie is they're trying to make you think of them as maybe people, you know, as people worthy of, the, the nanny
1: uh, character is really distressing. The way she, because you can tell that she was built or programmed or whatever to be this sort of nanny caregiver. Yeah. So when she's yeah. bargaining for her life, she's like, I have great references. Yeah. And yes. I can do this or that. Like, it's really
0: tough to watch. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I also, I like so, the, the design of the different robots. Like, there's all sorts of different like the eras of robots and i like <laughs> yeah. the, the the really old one with like the detached like head that kind of <laughs> is Arlie ermy is...
1: i think it's Arlie ermy right who's who's the screen face is that what you're talking yeah. about yeah who is that guy Arlie ermy the the drill sergeant guy from uh full metal
0: jacket oh, yeah who is that that guy that i wow. think so
2: i used yeah, to watch totally. a show on history channel
0: what the <laughs> fuck Sean? is this uh-huh. mail call
3: what did you say? Like I was like robot of the year
0: in nineteen twenty three or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Time Magazine's robot Time Mag- of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, I love that that the lost and found
1: shot that like one shot where they take Teddy. Yeah. I think it starts right when they cool. they're handed Teddy and the guy walks you know up the bleacher the whatever the risers and you see like you see mm-hmm. everything. It's such a three dimensional shot because you yeah. you feel yeah. like you're really seeing so much of this event. It's not just bits and pieces cut together. And the whole time, Teddy's like, Where's David? (laughs) Yeah, where's David? (laughs) David. Are you taking me to (laughs) where is
0: David? (laughs) I can't do that, David. Another, another overlap, 2001. Yeah. I've, I thought the, the shot where you first see the nanny a little bit further back in the woods, where it's, it like shows her face and then she like turns her head and you see that like it's all just like gears and knobs back there. And you can see like right through. Through it, and like it's a tracking shot where she like walks like across the woods and like she's turning her head still, and like there's proper parallax. I like, uh, I was watching it, and I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? And I still don't, I still don't know. I mean, I was obviously there's CG in this movie, but like, yeah, that's really good.
3: <laughs> you probably know more about like green screen stuff than I do, but like, do you think because I was wondering the same thing, like, I think this movie looks really good for its time. But, like, was she wearing, like, a only, like, partial green screen on the parts that they wanted to change? Probably.
0: Yeah. It's just, like, it's the combination of, like. The moving and. Of, yeah, of being able to see through it and the background, like, moving properly. Yeah. And she, clearly she's, like, in the scene. It's right. not, it doesn't appear to be a green screen thing. And the best thing that I could think of is, you know, like, two towers was made just, what like a couple years after this Mm -hmm. and like Gollum obviously is like perfect in that movie and like there's uh kind of this like infamous scene of like Gollum um in uh like a waterfall or like a creek or something and he's just like going crazy like in the water like splashing it around And, like, the trouble with Gollum is that he's, like, volumetrically a lot smaller than Mm -hmm. Andy Serkis, and so there's a lot of stuff that has to be removed and then, like, painted back in. And, like, the way they did it with Gollum is that they it was just, like, brute force. Like, they just, every single frame, they just little by little, like, painted, like, the pixels of, like, the water back in. Because it was, like, the only thing they could do at the time. And so I have to believe that maybe something similar is going on here where it's just like hardcore like painstaking like frame by frame painting yeah but nevertheless like incredible that i can't see it
1: i think that's (laughs) a that's a perfect example of i think that was an era where special effects could still be painstakingly crafted as much as a practical effect could be and and in like a painterly or artistic way you know what i mean where it's there was there had to be a vision for it it wasn't just like a hand wavy oh this will just be that you know it has to be like let's drill down into what what does this look like how does it affect the viewer what does it mean to be on the screen i feel
0: like i feel like you and i justin have talked about this or maybe all three of us on a separate episode have talked about like this era in particular was like the peak of cgi utilization in movies because it wasn't a crutch at this point but still very advanced like it it, you could totally like get away with like fully digital effects but not in a way that you relied on them it was strictly used as an augmentation of like existing effects uh and that's that's where you get like the best special effects to ever exist is like when those two worlds like worked seamlessly together yeah totally and I, I remember specifically
1: that that shot of her running toward the camera and then turning uh, was, uh, like, one of the spotlighted images in the trailer and yeah. just in promotional materials. I remember that, like, as a kid, seeing that a lot. And I think it mm. was just because it was a big
0: old money shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Kid Rock plays us out.
1: Yeah. Big old money shot. This I think that's the song he's playing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Again, like,
3: it's that era of, like, we have... We have Kid, well, it's not Kid Rock, but Kid Rock-esque. And then we have Smash Mouth and Rat
0: Race. What other examples are there <laughs> of like-
1: Those like, are great. it, those are the two <laughs> big <it>. examples.
0: <laughs> Guys, I just watched Inspector Gadget the other night. I texted Justin when I was Ooh. watching this, like the Matthew Broderick movie. Great, great time. I can't recommend revisiting that. There's a Smash second. Mouth song in that.
3: Is there, oh God. Who's the, uh, who's the actor in the second Go-Go Gadget? Or
0: whatever. French. Uh, oh, yeah, French, French Stewart. French Stewart. French yeah, Stewart. French wow. Stewart. Yeah, I did not. I don't think I've ever seen the second one. Um, Is that the
3: one where he like busts like an old lady for going like a mile over the speed limit?
2: <laughs> I remember
0: that scene. Do you remember that role? <laughs> I remember that scene. Yeah, I remember <laughs> watching this State movie. I think in theaters. <laughs> wow. The original Inspector Gadget, man, that would just go watch it again. Yeah, okay, I had like such a get blast. get off track here. Okay. Where are we? So
1: they what, I escaped wanted, the flesh fair.
3: I wanted to introduce the biggest plot twist of the entire movie is when they, uh, they get away from the flesh fair. They find a stopped car, or they maybe they, they flag down a car <laughs> on the road. He has his little his That's little right. hologram girl. He's like he's enticing them with like the ladies of Rouge City or whatever. He pans down to this guy's crotch to really entice him. Pan up. Who is it? <laughs> it's it surprises me every time. It's Adrian Grenier. It's incredible.
1: The Entourage. I don't, yeah,
3: I, I don't know who that is. It's the, it's the Entourage guy. Oh, okay. Who is... I don't think he's really done much. He's, he was in... A, he was in... A, what's that? What's that, Meryl's The Dev Wars Prada. <laughs> but it's it really got me. It got me yesterday. So like, just a quick pan and then it, it cuts. It did
1: too, Yeah. You're right, it gets me every time. I, I like describing that, like, the movie's biggest plot twist is, like, that episode of Always Sunny where you hear Charlie say, he's tried to describe the sixth sense to someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like... And then the big <laughs> twist was, the guy wearing the hairpiece the whole movie was Bruce Willis. <laughs> he is
0: Bruce Willis the whole movie. Hell, yeah. That scene gives off the same energy at, like, when Borat, like meets up with like <laughs> yes. the frat boys like in the rv or I whatever had the same thought yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i love the shot of them all pressed up together in the tiny car yeah. like you got the the frat guys and then gigolo joe and then teddy yeah, like, and david, david. <laughs> yeah it's really i funny. do like i do like that like the very like
3: batman and robin like art deco yeah bridget the dude yeah like cool. that style.
1: it really is like okay we're gonna build we're just gonna build a new city and it's yeah. it's gonna be dedicated to sex yeah yeah, yeah. And a there's
2: tree. a Las <laughs> Vegas a... is right there what's that
0: yeah
1: right
2: a- and Las Vegas is just there
0: I guess I <laughs> got flooded yeah uh that's true. I like that there's a building that's just the shape of a sexy woman yeah like that yeah. I feel like that it, it feels like that should already exist right <laughs> it probably does now that I'm thinking probably. about it a little bit a little well, bit you more, get, you, I mean this and this gets pointed to a lot as like this
1: is the Kubrick this is like Stilberg like left Kubrick's notes untouched, or you know his his personal concept art. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it it really reminds me of the the milk bar in Clockwork oh, yeah. Orange because you got I mm-hmm. mean it's basically the same imagery. You have like you know these sort of porcelain statues of of naked you know shapely naked women, you know curving backward and all right. this shit. Yeah, it's it's a really bizarre, it's a really bizarre like. You go from the the quiet, unsettling first act, and then the second act is just like a grab bag. You got the flat yeah. fair, you got Rouge City,
3: and Doctor Fibicopty. No,
1: the the church. I like the I like how he briefly like points out the in Rouge City, which is funny. oh yeah,
3: right. That's that's where he sees like the blue fairy, what he thinks is like the blue fairy, right?
1: Yeah, Maybe yeah. Uh, mm.
2: Joe's just like this is where I go pick up customers,
1: right? Is that what it says? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts um, to walk
3: after a woman who walks. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the like going back to the Pinocchio allegory. Like this is like the Pleasure Island section of the movie.
0: Right, right. Um, oh, yeah, which, huh. yeah.
3: Which I, I didn't never even make that connection. Yeah, and I've actually I haven't even seen I've seen maybe like a third. I know that's like it's just like that's the morality tale, right? They like, they go and they trip or whatever and they get because they're mm-hmm. bad. It's just because they're being bad. Is that the theme there or? Yeah, more or less.
1: it's good you should see it i know i want to yeah
0: man talk about a haunting movie the original disney pinocchio like specifically the donkey transformation scene yeah Um, i've seen that that was like i'm hearing myself twice for some reason is someone like got their speakers on okay Mm -hmm. well i'm i'm not hearing myself anymore so
1: Is maybe windows is
2: finishing it yeah
0: (laughs) oh it's finished don't even (laughs) worry
2: i love justin's like attempt at a, a tech choke he's like oh it must be installing again like no (laughs) if anything it didn't install properly or it didn't finish installing
0: (laughs) shit what are we talking about the rest of the movie like the
2: the 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 rest of the movie from here feels like it unfolds like pretty quickly yeah just like plot wise like they Mm -hmm. get the doctor no he tells him about the place to go they go there you know he finds out that he's just a robot and nothing more or at least that's, like, they're making a bunch of him right. for entrepreneurial mm-hmm. purposes. Falls in the water, uncovers the statue. Oh.
3: Yeah, well, you can't... Don't, like, that suicide scene is horrible. Like, that's so... Again, yeah. like, yeah. He, he is incredible in that scene. It's so depressing. I like this the the scene right before that where it's, like, a zoom in, like, through the... There's, like, the Davids and the... I can't remember what the, the female is called, but it zooms in, and then there's this, like, look on his face of, like... It's, like, utter despair, and then it's almost like this, like, acceptance of his fate, I guess. And then yeah. the next scene, he's, like, about to commit suicide. It's, like, it's so depressing. Yeah.
2: Is that after he, like, destroys yeah. the first David? Mm-hmm. The other David, like,
0: yeah. yeah. I'm David. Yeah. You right. can't have her.
1: Uh, and he. Uh, I'm special. The the way he says, <laughs> Mommy, before he jumps. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Fucking, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's fucking dark.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like how the when he's in the little corridor of of boxes which i thought was interesting because you you see all these like boxes of the the davids and the female robot but like the david as a concept seems to be like very new so assuming he like just has not gone into like regular distribution cuz like no yeah. one knows what he is right so that's interesting right. and i i like how one of the boxes just kind of like Jostles a little, a little bit. bit. or <laughs> horror movie. The, I mean, Just I think this, movie, this yeah. is when
1: the movie goes back to these horror elements mm-hmm. where he's walking through. It's like in the movies when you're walking across a corridor of like, yeah, dead bodies in big tubes. Right. the same film. Darlene, sure. I think, is the Darlene the yeah. female. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Real quick, I want to go back to one of my favorite, I think my favorite part of the Doctor No sequence every time is when they get the question right. Too, and yeah. everything kind of like dims and gets quiet. And he talks in like this quiet, normal voice. Right. He's not <laughs> the character voice. I love that feeling, that switch. The vibe is, yeah. is really interesting. And I was a little disappointed because I think I've never caught, maybe I just haven't been paying attention, the fact that they were, they glued the Dr. No program into, like yeah. they led them there. I think that's a little lame. I kind of always liked that. Okay, sorry, go no, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. I was, was going to say, say, I kind of like that Dr. No is like they, they've they unlocked this like secret knowledge in the world yeah. versus right. it just yeah. being something that, that they somehow knew David yeah. would inquire about.
3: I So, I, yeah, I, that is kind of a plot hole. Like, how did they know that he was going to go to Dr. No? and like? But I don't think the actual idea of it being like a setup, like I, I love that scene, too, because it's like, oh, he, he really figured it out. And it's like the really magical part of it. I've always loved that scene. But the fact that that was actually all kind of fake too—it kind of it ties into this whole idea of like we want to believe in these fairy tales and these dreams, but they're not—they're all that's what it kind yeah. of it's, it's kind yeah. of bleak. It's you're all you're so all
1: right because that's Because I I loved the magical feeling of it, and, exactly. and you're right—it's so disappointing to think that it was just another contrivance by the by fucking William Hurt. Mm-hmm.
0: Hobby Justin is a is an optimist to a fault, as yeah. evidenced by our last episode. He has yeah, a great ac- callback to the last... He cannot man. accept that the movie could potentially have a, a bleak take. Oh, this reminded me of a, an earlier thing I wanted to say, where bef- I think it's before all of the Rouge City, Dr. Do- no stuff, where the Cybertronics goons come into Professor Hobby's office, like in a quick like cutaway scene, and they're like, we found him, like he's oh, in yeah. like a... a a, a scrapyard or derby or whatever. And then they go looking for him and they still have to do this whole inception thing with the doctor. No. And like the whole time I've just been thinking like, why the fuck do, does this thing not have a GPS on it? Like, why do they just not know exactly where he is at <laughs> yeah, all times? You know, true. seems like kind of an obvious thing that you would put in a piece of technology like that.
1: Yeah. How do they find him then? Cause that, cause I, th- that's what I thought watching the movie was. Oh, he does have GPS in him to a certain degree, and they just hadn't like pinged it correctly, or well, right. I don't know exactly. But like, do you think that the flesh fair?
0: I think uh, that like the idea, the way I took it is that like him being at the flesh fair was enough of a like public right thing. He caught
1: wind of it, yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe there's they, like a
1: database that he's entered into when he's scanned there or something.
0: Yeah, like I i think that that's a fair jump to make is it has something to do with him just being at the the flesh fair yeah i don't think i don't think he has gps at all and and clearly like it would just like break the movie if he did but (laughs) but like uh, it does seem like a silly thing like why wouldn't this just gps wasn't like a new thing in like 2001 or maybe it was another question
2: do your real kids have gps There you go. There you go. Some do. There
0: you go. Right? His son
1: didn't,
0: so... (laughs) I guess we all do now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Spoken like a true scientist. (laughs) Okay, so... Where are we at? Did we already get to Manhattan? we make it back there?
1: Yeah.
3: I say... I mean, I say we talk about the best... What is, in my opinion, the best section is once he's, like, killed himself. Yeah. uh, Then he gets saved, but this whole scene where it's him... On his own is where I think great to like. Oh my god, this movie is. In my opinion, I think it's freaking. In this, yeah, in this.
2: yeah, that elevates the movie. Just you know that choice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Although I mean, I think I think Gigolo Joe was is in the movie for the right amount of time, and I but I love his exit, which is <laughs> yeah. you know, I am I am I was, was. yeah, It's so cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the the when he finds the blue fairy. And they're trapped in a cage which they are thematically (laughs) and like literally spiritually and literally all this it's like it's so scary to me to think of like this kid just sits there and you know prays to this yeah Yeah, this inanimate thing for millennia it's
0: yeah yeah Yeah, i'm glad i'm gonna die
1: (laughs) yeah now <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: existentially like haunting the, well the, haunting.
0: this is this is another like intersection of like the like crazy darkness of the movie with like the spielberg whimsy is that like all of this like existential horror is described through narration of right. a like of a very this. kind of like storybook voice where it's like yeah. and then david sat in the amphibicopter for 2000 years. <laughs> and like It's like told. Yeah, it's told in a way that's like made like it, it's made to feel kind of light. But yeah. if you think about it for like a second, you're like, this is horrible. And it's described incrementally. Right.
1: Doesn't it go through like the stages of his yeah. degradation, like as as everything freezes and as things become, you know, he loses sight of the blue fairy at one point. Mm, and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, really, like yeah, yeah. it's bleak stuff. <laughs> and then, 2,000 years and later. Is yeah, 2,000 man. years enough scientists on the call? Is that enough time for like an ice age to set into that? Yeah,
0: let's go to the phones. Let's talk to some scientists.
1: <laughs> I was, because I in my uh, oh. memory, I was like, oh yeah, 10,000 years passes or 100,000 years passes. Like, I couldn't remember exactly uh-huh. how long, but 2,000 seemed relatively short for well, the state of the world.
2: Climate change is in the movie, so maybe you can just combine those two things together and have it work out. I mean, day after tomorrow, they're like two thousand years. How about this year? How about the day after
0: tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: (laughs) yeah. I think I assume you know, just like extreme weather events and Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's funny how the advanced AI, as compared to like the the, I'm just gonna say like, as compared to the monoliths in like 2001 how that's, like, a very mysterious, like, extra-dimensional presence, whereas these guys walk around and they're like, hey, like, we have to dig people up out of the, the ice and we need DNA samples. It's, like, a very... It's very transparent as to, like, what degree they are... Yeah. Like, it's it's transparent to what degree they are evolved and they are also literally transparent. I just think that, that they're interesting because they seem... I don't know, not maybe like a dumbed down version of like the the special beings that are at the end of the movie, but they are like a more simplistic version. And like you get a better sense of like what they can and can't do and them flying around in their little cube ship. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I like I like these guys, but they (laughs) they feel they fill me with like less dread than like the the cube from 2001. Right. And, you, and they talk, they, they speak English, and they still kind of look like people. Right, uh, it's like they yeah. speak
3: English, but they don't because, I mean, they, you know, they, they understand, like they absorb information, and they connect neural networks or whatever they're doing. So I think what they're like, well, that's, that is interesting too, though, because David is an AI. I wonder if they could somehow, like, like subconscious. I assume it's yeah. just they speak English because it's a story and we need to walk,
1: communicate, well, or whatever. But they but don't, they're not introduced speaking English, right? They're, right. they're introduced. Yeah they're quiet Speaking in yeah. like wah-wah kind of shit or yeah. telepathically so i don't know if it's either a filmmaking choice but like a storytelling choice or they really are sort of tapping into david's right. or yeah. they had think,
2: figured it out like previously like i think they're like archaeologists of some yeah, type yeah and like mm-hmm. the whole thing is to study humanity
3: right yeah so they yeah. They, they know their shit but the interesting thing is that Again, everyone thinks that this is like the whole like Kubrick versus Spielberg thing. And Spielberg ruined it with aliens at the end. But Kubrick actually was the one that designed these specific entities. So that design Mm. is him. So I can suck it.
2: (laughs) I have a question. Uh, How how do we know that they're the descendants of the AI instead of aliens? I assume like somebody somebody just just definitively just settled it like the filmmaker. I'm curious if there's anything in movie.
1: I don't know if there's anything explicit. They what Man, I, I meant to make a note of this that I don't remember, because I feel like there's something that happens in this sequence that points to it. To me, I think and this is, this is not like direct evidence, but the fact that he looks like them when he's introduced is Spielberg's way of bridging the gap David between David and these creatures at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: that I think because AI are clearly this like powerful presence on Earth. Yeah.
0: Well, one thing Gigolo Joe says, like when he's talking about like why humanity hates them, he's like they hate us because it's become abundantly clear that when all else like fades away, that we will be the only things that are left. Right. And so, mm-hmm. that's not a that's not direct evidence, but like that's that's pretty clearly like yeah, if the, sure. if there is a consciousness left on the planet, it's AI. Well, it
1: I, humans yeah. were endangered, right? They're endangered mm-hmm, right. in the movie. They're they're in this really like they're in this really like perilous state and it's not i mean it's not feasible to continue living in a flooded manhattan and whatever the rest of the world looks like is habitable uninhabitable yeah Yeah.
2: works either way just as inhabitable
1: what's that
2: it works it works either way
1: yeah just as inhabitable
2: Yeah, that being (laughs) not inhabitable but at that level yeah another like indirect thing about those aliens is that they're very kind they're very yeah they're just like they're nice and they have good hearts and i guess that means that david was is like their like founding ancestor he's like the patient zero for feeling ai ai with emotions and consciousness so they kind of found like their like the missing link that's their missing link
0: well the ai says something like really profound about like humanity and like why they're interested in humanity like at all they he says Uh something about like how humans like created all these things and art and like clearly they must be like the key to the meaning of existence like the Uh ai is like that idea like eludes them and like humanity this extinct species this ancient Mm -hmm. species like was the key to that and that's why they're digging them up and trying to like learn more about them which i think is really interesting well that's super cool
1: And the button to that thought is when they tell David that he's the enduring memory of the human race.
0: Yeah, he
1: yeah, that he's like this non-human creature sort of is the prism through which you can, you know, view and explore humanity.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: which they make it seem the reason for that is because
2: in their search, they have not encountered any other being that has known humans directly. Like, that's what they say. They were like very excited about that fact not necessarily because he's like the first AI with human emotion. Like that didn't really come through too much. Just, just the fact that he knew humans. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I thought it, this is kind of happens in the same set of scenes where the AI is describing like the problem with like resurrection of humans, like how humans, like they can only keep them alive for one day. And it, Mm -hmm. it's like not founded in like biology. It's like founded in like physics that like once a like like a path like a a path of just like space time has been used by a consciousness it like can't be used again for more than a day i had a hard time like following exactly what he was saying but like i thought that idea was interesting that just like oh a life is just not something that's like replicatable like you just it happens once and that's it
3: well i think that's i mean i don't think it's necessarily like it is physics, but I think the, the 24 hours thing is just like, again, like a fairy tale. It's just like, it's like the Cinderella thing where like, oh, it's until what is it? Midnight or whatever. It's just like right yeah. one one final day, you know,
1: that's so, what I wrote in my notes was the ending has fairy tale rule. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: It really does. Yeah. I like the way they present it, though, like they're explaining it to a child. And so obviously the higher AIs are dumbing it down and trying to make it palatable to a a child mind right and so they so they don't have to because it's easy at something like that to scoff at it and be like okay whatever that's like such a ridiculous device that they're using at this point in the movie but it's still wrapped up in enough mystery that i can pass i I still appreciate it
0: i like how for like 30 seconds of that final sequence it's like a folgers commercial (laughs) she's (laughs) like like can i make you a coffee She's yeah. like, I'd love, I'd love a coffee. She's like, that- you never forget how to make a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> this
3: part is like, it's like it again, going towards the taboo thing. It it feels like almost like a little sexual. It's kind of, it's just so I don't know. It's very like intimate and yeah, a relief. freudy thousands oh, of yeah. years of build-up Oh, absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, this yeah, this scene is excellent. <laughs> this scene is great. I like that. I like that he like he has his little drawings and it's all the like, carried along the way and. She's a really you
1: can tell she's really beautiful. it's really funny. And the, the scene, and the, the narration says we warned him not to tell her like too many details. He knew, he knew yeah. she wouldn't
0: know. And his. Well, like the it's like almost very comedically like edited or acted where he's like showing the, the photos and she's like, she's like yeah, uh, she's weird yeah. <laughs> yeah like, okay, okay. yeah. OK. Yeah.
2: This is where they ripped our bodies apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But gosh, just spends the perfect day. That's a perfect Sunday, right? there.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys felt this, but like, yeah, like it, it makes like sense, like in the script to be like, yeah, like one final day, like that feels appropriately like poetic and fairy tale, fairy tale-y. But like the whole time I was just like a day, a day is nothing like, yeah. oh my God, dude, I don't even know what happened today. Like you tell me <laughs> yeah. I get like. One day to like fulfill my like eternal sense of purpose. Like that fucking sucks, dude. But he's,
3: but his entire life, he's never been fulfilled. Like he's lived for that moment of actually being loved to wait 2,000 years for it, like pass it up. To me, the depressing thing is the aftermath where she is like obliterated out of the the space time continuum. And Mm -hmm. what is he? He's just, he is like, he's cursed, you know, forever.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you don't know to what extent the we can trust the narration because True. when when you say that he finally goes to sleep in dreams, you're implying that he's becoming a real boy. But in reality we know like that very much is probably not the case. It could be that he's somehow transcending, he's evolving like these beings have evolved that we meet. But more than likely, I don't know, that's just a fairy tale construction. Like it, it's hard to it's hard to pin down like what the movie wants us to believe if it wants us to believe anything. But I think that ambiguity really heightens the like just existential confusion that it that's. Yeah,
2: it's it's like it could go either way for me. Like, is he OK afterwards or is it worse <laughs> than before? That he's he got what dead. he's wanted and now yeah. he will never have it again because all he's lived off entire life is his hope. And then that has been like decidedly taken away by the I don't know. Why is he dreaming? Is he dead? What's going on? I hope he's dead. I hope he's
0: dead too. off, yeah. And
2: just,
3: just like the fact that he, like how the the lengths he's willing to go to to get what he wants, like he's again, he's gonna like eliminate her existence because he wants her, wants him to love her. God, not yeah, it's kind of selfish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what she did to him, right? Like she wanted, she wanted to be loved, and but she could never give True. him the same. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I love that's how great. I love how they you really get the sense that this is like. Actually happening, like there is. Her consciousness has been reanimated to a certain extent because she's like, "What's going on? What? What is it? What's? I don't. I don't know what's really happening right now." Yeah, but Uh, doesn't question
2: where her husband is, where her child is. Like nothing.
1: Like none of that. Right. It's very dreamlike. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. it is dreamlike. But but like you feel like yeah, maybe there is just a terrarium where this is happening. It's in physical space.
3: Mm Hmm. Yeah.
1: Poor Teddy, I hope Teddy's okay.
3: No, just all alone. Yeah, man. He came through, he saved the day.
1: Teddy's Teddy's a Teddy's a real one. The, I love the scene where they're doing the Martin's like, let's, you know, you call Teddy and I'll call Teddy. Oh yeah. And then mommy. and then the <laughs> Teddy's like, oh, mommy. mommy. I remember that was a big that was a big laugh moment as a kid was Teddy running for mommy.
0: The way like Teddy moves in this movie is like really bizarre yeah. to me very it's like it's rapid scuttles a, it's a
1: pup, puppet right like i was trying no, to really it's,
3: yeah CG.
0: It
3: is, it's a very no no it, it's like a very great puppet with cgi when it's when they're moving but they built like yeah. a very sophisticated there was like a stat i need to find it like there were more moving parts than in like another movie that was oh wow up. so like, like it's animatronics a, it's a very like sophisticated animatronic
1: yeah because the way he moves just felt like puppetry with well like yeah the, the static baby. shots
0: he is like a puppet. And then like the wide shots where he's like running across the screen is CG. But it still looks so good. I think I don't, I I
1: would, I would argue, I would push back on that. I think that was, I think that was puppetry the way he, when he's running and stuff, I think that's puppetry with, with digital magic. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe paint out some wires or something. Yeah.
3: It was, so it was Jurassic Park. So it had more moving parts than the T-Rex, Wow. crazy. Wait, Teddy did? Yeah,
1: I so believe like, it
0: It has 50
3: points of motion versus 40, which is in the T-Rex. said so the most difficult job they'd ever worked on.
0: That's wow. cool. That's cool. Yeah, it makes sense, too, because that it's more difficult because it's smaller. Right. Like the yeah. T-Rex, you probably have like core, more room core. to just like big, big dumb Little parts. E.
1: Yeah. yeah, this yeah. this is pertinent. One Christmas, Mason got me an action figure of the monolith and on the <laughs> and on the box, it says it says zero points of articulation. <laughs> it's it says zero points of articulation and then it's full of stars.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's
2: so yeah. funny. It was really just a, a hunk of plastic or what?
1: It, well, it's in the it's in the, you know, the clamshell casing or whatever. And yeah, it's just mm-hmm. like the monolith. But it's like it's, it's packaged like an action figure. So it has That's like great. the selling points, you know, yeah, flashy yeah, yeah. selling points.
0: I love that that used to be, I mean, it probably still is, like, is a a metric for how cool a toy is, is, like, how many, how many (laughs) points of articulation something has, you know? Action grip. Yeah. (laughs) I still have all my old action figures in my, in a tub in my basement. You you. Yeah. Yeah, like, definitely, like, the premium ones are the ones that were, like, their, like, their fingers are, like, on a separate, like, axis. Yeah. and everything else so you can like do like you can make you can make them do like finger guns the
1: wolverine and, like, flip you off yeah oh, yeah <laughs> all right well
0: let's do some final thoughts i i guess right seems like about time for that
3: sure yeah. sure one more th- before final thoughts the score is another excellent score john williams and it has like some of that 2001 in it with like the the really haunted like choral vocals like during the you know, like the ending section, like the it's very to the and very like the intro when it's in the house, I think is excellent. Like it's very dissonant and creepy. And yeah, I think the soundtrack
2: does a lot of heavy lifting in this movie, setting the tone that kind of like creepy unsettling
0: vibe. I mean, like the the spinach scene, it's sort of like it's it's enhancing it, but it's also like otherwise at odds with what you're seeing on screen to where it's just it makes what would just If you put, like, a a flubber track below that, it would feel very funny and silly. But, like, with the score, it's a a horror movie, straight up. Yeah. So, yeah. Tonally, it's, like, it's, it's doing most of the work.
3: Okay, well, I, obviously, I love this movie. I think I saw it at a very, like, key time, which was a kid, so getting to watch it, like, from David's perspective. All of the scenes, like, again, like, the first act, like, the horror scenes were really effective, seeing as a kid. And, I don't know, this movie definitely taps into that same, like, 2001 energy, especially towards the end, where it's like, once, you, once he's alone and it starts to, like, transcend time, like, holy shit, it goes into, like, very sublime, like, the ineffable like, feeling it gives you. Like, there's so many moments of that where it's just, like, I don't know. It's, you can't really put it into words. I think it's, like, I don't know. I think it's really wonderful. I think it's Spielberg's most interesting film definitely his darkest Gigolo Joe obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> 10 out of 10
0: nice you have to not, attach an. you have to attach a noun to your score that's the film whole rule a ne- uh, like so you like blank blanks qua- like quantify it yeah. yeah yeah yeah
3: all right let me let me think about
0: that. we can well, come we can come yeah, back to back. it
2: I can go next so the first time I saw this movie was not super early I think I watched it in college and i didn't give it the attention and patience that it deserved i I thought it was going to be more of a sci-fi movie which really it's not that much of a sci-fi movie at all in tone and and subject matter and so i remember that like it it kept giving me uh, there's where my expectations were the movie and what the fuck the movie was doing on its own accord (laughs) that that made my first watch through just like not very sad but on the rewatch, it's it's i climbed way up such a absurd Dark movie, and it just makes you question your humanity. And yeah, that final scene with him just waiting 2,000 years in the eye, like mind bent.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. he just kind of like it from last week, like 2,000 years of longing. Three. Did you guys cover that? 3,000. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I'll, up. I'll, I just I, I just watched that movie, so I'll go open.
2: Oh, nice. Nice. But yeah, so that's interesting. That movie has the exact same thing of like a human mind. Or not human, but like, you know, a human like mind waiting for thousands and thousands of solitude. The kid doesn't go crazy throughout that whole time, which is creepy. Yeah, thoroughly creepy throughout. Loved it. I'll give it a nine spinach dinners out of ten.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Yeah, yeah spinach boy. dinners. That's great.
2: Oh, can I just like put in another thing about the food? Hmm. Their food is so weird in this movie. It's really weird. And you know what it is? It's like near apocalypse type food like people are just like basically like living off these ration type things they're probably lab grown but they mm-hmm. don't have like the full agricultural thing that we have.
3: and the spinach yeah. just looks disgusting i was definitely like turned it's like off black spinach. it's gross and just i mean it melts his face so obviously like i was pretty turned off by it when i saw it
1: it's like the whole meal i think they're just eating yeah. a spin- spinach
0: meal <laughs> <laughs> spinach, another spinach mm-hmm. meal <laughs> yeah <laughs> tasty wheat I can go next. Yeah, I had a very similar viewing arc with this movie to Raul, where I saw it just like several years ago, not as a child. Like, I did not watch this as a kid. So it doesn't have any sort of burned or resting memories. And similar to Raul, it was sort of like, just based on the title alone, I didn't have a lot of context for it. I assumed it would be more of like a straight, hard Mm sci-fi movie. And then you watch it and you're you definitely feel like Spielberg in it. So I think that for that reason, I sort of dismissed it. It felt like sort of a weak Spielberg to me because I think I was I was trying to absorb all the sci fi elements and then also appreciate it as just like a whimsical like Spielberg movie. And it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Justin said in the chat, it's no bicentennial, man, which is true. Although it's got a very, there's some like similar elements to this. Like, I feel like the house is the same. <laughs> like the the house, like the house so that, cool. the, that they show up in. But yeah, I wasn't like super into it the first time. And obviously the first thing I rem- or the, the main thing I remember is like the flat. What's it called? Flesh? Flesh Kid fair. Rock. Kid Rock. Kid, Kid Rock Flesh Fair colon Celebration of Life. <laughs> That's the thing that I remember the most is just how like wacky those robots looked and that they feel kind of Jim Hensony, they're not they're not like cool sci-fi, they're kind of like silly and pup and puppety. So I was like, is this a kids movie? Like that I think that's like what I thought in in college and I just dismissed it. But also similar to Raul Second Watch was a massive improvement and this shot pretty far up on the on the list for me. And yeah, it's like more of this like existential and I think that only like recently when we started talking about watching this movie did I know that Kubrick was even part of it. I don't think I understood that context at all. And that makes so much more sense to me now. And like being able to just know that and be and square the whimsy Spielberg stuff with like the dark dread of <laughs> Kubrick just makes me able to digest this movie like much more appropriately. And like I can enjoy it to its fullest potential for that reason. But I loved it. I'll watch it again and I will show it to the version of my David that I eventually will purchase in maybe (laughs) 2035. And for all those reasons, I will give it a nine dancing holographic strippers out of 10. That's great.
1: Yeah, I think I, me and Mason must have seen it. And I remember as a kid really liking it, it really made a an impact on me, but not any more than like any other movie I really like. I don't think it was until like probably college went back to watch it, where it really hit me. Everything we've talked about, like how much of a gut punch the movie can be, and how like haunting it is, and how much more it is than uh, I thought initially. So I'll echo everyone else. I love this movie. I think there's nothing else quite like it. Just the the mixture yeah. of emotions that it evokes kind of like what mason was saying just like almost like the sublime once you enter this when you enter like deep time or something close to deep time and beings existing on that scale is just like that that kind of sends them to a whole other place so yeah i think it's a beautiful movie i think there are parts that are a little like lumpy or they made some unusual choices but overall the movie feeds by force of Really interesting themes, incredible acting, and just some really strong directing. I will give it 9.7. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> I'll love you so.
3: What is
0: he? I'll be so, I'll so real, real for you. I'll be so real.
1: <laughs> God. I'll be so, <laughs> so real for you. so horrible. It's really that. That's like yeah. nails on your soul's chalkboard to hear. It really like is. It really is. <laughs> I, okay, interesting. I no, go Sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say on on that note on the on note of dialogue, it's sole writing credit for Spielberg. And yeah, we've talked about how this went through many different drafts and treatments. And the fact that no other names on the on the screenplay, mm-hmm. that must mean that they really did not survive the injury. I don't think you get away with.
3: He told um, Kubrick told the writers he hired to burn or completely delete the stuff that they wrote. <laughs> Like if he if he was unhappy, he's like, D- "Get rid of this." It's crazy. He was so controlling about
1: it. It is crazy. So, that... so, so I mean, to, to think about it then as like as this being, even though it was a close collaboration with Spielberg and creatively, having the screenplay be a sole writing credit for Spielberg is really interesting because there are mm-hmm. aspects that that I wouldn't think of as Spielbergian or ability. Oh, and then one more thing on the credits: there there is a special effects technician named. Steven Scott Wheatley, so, out wow, there. We're, out
0: there. we're royalty.
3: <laughs> I want to, so quickly, my, so I, I'm giving it a full 10, just, you can love this movie. I'm going to give it 10 A1 steak sauce bottles out of 10, <laughs> because I'm going to redo this headline, did Steven Spielberg's AI artificial fail because of steak sauce? <laughs> <laughs> apparently there is a, there's a theory that people associated it with A1 steak sauce, so. Oh. It was a oh, just because aia one. Yeah, and, and even like? it says here Matt Lauer. He said A one when he was when he was introducing the movie. During spot.
2: Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> right. Well, it is interesting that this movie is called like A A dot I dot Artificial Intelligence because I it's, think it's like people just didn't know what that acronym meant, like right. in two thousand one. Right. Yeah. It's pretty clunky. <laughs> it's a stupid title. It's, it's, a it's, it it's a bad It's It is. I mean, title. and
1: you know what? So was ET the Extraterrestrial. So, <laughs>
0: <It's>, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's very wow. true. Same thing. That's so true.
2: It's probably aged. AI is probably aged better like now, but I agree that even now it's just not a great title. Even mm-hmm. less so mm-hmm. then.
1: Do you know what? Do
2: you know what the
0: original story is called? It it's a, called. oh, I got this. It's a super super toys last all summer. Right? Great. What a yeah. cool that's title. So cool
1: obviously yeah. you could not name try to sell that. that
0: like at the multiplex <laughs> <Lord
1: Like>, <laughs> but what a great title yeah yeah
0: it's like that same thing or like the what's the story for uh, blade runner
3: it's like a, Dude, android's streaming cheap
0: <laughs> yeah it's like what the fuck <laughs> which
3: i i thought this isn't it's not that's brad or no that's philip k dick right but i thought this was like isaac asimov for the longest time i don't know why like i don't know if uh-huh. i thought cooper had adapted it for some reason because i think there's a there's another story by, maybe it, maybe it's Bradbury I was thinking of, but there's a story he wrote that's called like All Summer, A Summer That I Don't
0: know.
1: Oh, I think that's Bradbury. I know what yeah, you're talking
3: about. Yeah, A Summer yeah. Day, All Summer in a
1: Day.
2: Yeah, but this movie is not based on any existing IP. It's completely
1: so. original story. Well, it's story. a short Well, Pinocchio. Short story. Yeah, Pinocchio. <laughs> Pinocchio. And a short, I think the story is the first act. I think the first act is, yeah, rise. And I don't know if that folds in anything else.
0: There's like, there's like the, I imagine the first instance of like, you guys hear that sound? Do you guys hear this? A whistle or something. Okay. We talked about this last time, how like just like ambient noise doesn't come through in these calls because the technology's gotten so good. Perfect but excuse that, if you ever need to get out
2: of like a presentation or a meeting, just be like, sorry, I just can't. Like this is the <laughs> yeah. a thing right now. And then just leave. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> But the annoyance that I was referring to is that little robot that we talked about last time, Justin—the one on my curtain rod. It's I, kind of it's a, Trevor, <laughs> sounds of robot so is crazy. Robot. <laughs> sounds so crazy out of context. <laughs> 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 Just that little robot on the curtain.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but Trevor is a paranoid schizophrenic.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The robot's been telling me everything to say throughout this whole episode. <laughs> been feeding you. So. Yeah, really just hearing the thoughts of the robot.
1: I am, really. I was. <laughs> just represent the US as you go to sleep.
0: Thanks for listening. Filmhole is produced by just us, myself and Raul. Our music is by W, that's underscore, the word double and two U's. Get Filmhole wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, rate it. If you hate it, maybe don't. Thanks again. See you next time.